All right, so 2 Timothy 4, verse 7. Again, Pastor Mel used this in her teaching. I just think it's uh, so awesome. Verse 7, it says, uh, I have fought a good fight, and I have finished my course, and I have kept the faith. I have kept the faith. You know, was, we talk about uh, uh, faith, uh, living faith here at the church is one is a part of a vision and keeping the faith. So it's not enough to I'm faithful in certain moments. It's keeping that faith, holding on to that faith. And um, then, then he said here, he, he finished his course. So he fought a good fight. Pastor Mel said sometimes, it's, you know, you have a bad fight. <laughs> Yes, you know, but but there's a good fight. So that good fight is that that fight of faith. That good fight is that fight of faith. And so, uh, even though it's kind of hard to see with a lot that's going on, but you know, who was I talking to? I was having so many conversations. I'd have been a uh, new minister. But yesterday was Saturday. When you Saturday, we talked. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, like. If you just step back for a second, like we can't be so caught up that we don't see that all this stuff is strategic by the adversary. You know, like we talked about this morning, Zee, we was talking about how he has schemes, right? And if we go through the, like go through your book and look at what the schemes are and look at what's happening out here. Bitterness, unforgiveness. Because you know, anytime there's controversy, People just have differences of opinion. They're not tripping. But you know how some people like, so you have, I have, a, I have a focus, and you may have a focus. So let's say you have a focus. And I go, okay, that's your focus. This was mine. Right? That's it, right? But that's not how it's been going in a lot of situations, right? If, 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 if the person's focus is different from the other person's focus, well, I just think this, I already know what you think. You just told me. It's okay. Like, like I just don't see it that way. Like, I'm sorry, we didn't go through the, we didn't, we didn't go, have, we haven't gone through the same experience or the same training or the same exposures. You could have had more training and exposure than me, right? So you may see stuff that I haven't grown to see yet or vice versa. But we're assuming what we see has to be all there is to see. And we fight. Like we, we which I just don't understand. That's the whole point. The whole point is we're supposed to be trying to, to gain and understand it. So, so in uh, thinking about fighting that good fight and running that course, I was just looking at all this stuff that's trying to distract us. And ultimately distracting us for something we're purposed to do. And God has been saying something in the midst of all of this new beginnings, momentum, and, you know, all these little, di- you, I, you go back to all the different visions, you know, uh, he's, he's been saying something the whole time. Hey, God called us. We was talking to Destiny about this uh, last week. He's called us all here. He could have, God could have sent us anywhere. Talking to a pastor from Baltimore yesterday at, uh, at the barbershop, his bishop, and we were talking. I've been hearing about him. I finally met him. And so he said, man, you know, he's from here. He went to Baltimore. He said, listen, man, he said, you know, for you to come out here and start a, you know, they, they call start a church of work, but start a work here in Charlotte. He said, that's like, Charlotte is different as far as starting ministry. He says, people, I'm from Charlotte and I went to Baltimore. <laughs> and, and this guy has a lineage of ministry, you know, I ain't say your name, but you, I don't think you have a problem with it. I ain't say nothing crazy. We had lineage of ministry, you know. It, at, at one time, he was pastoring the church here. Uh, he has a thriving ministry in Baltimore. He said, man, to start a work in Charlotte. I was told by my former pastor, uh, Charlotte, you can go to Charlotte. That's, that's not an easy place to start a church. Right? But God told us to come to Charlotte. Then he created a, a vision and a core value on the website. You just read through it. And one of the things he said, this is a refuge. 
So he showed us that people been hurt, bruised, or in some cases lost or in despair or not appreciated. And they'll need a place of refuge to reset, to heal, to strengthen, to grow, to, 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 to get off the, the clouds of pain and disappointment and frustration and people trying to convince them they're less than what they are, they're going to need a refuge and rebuild and be deployed back out for what I purposed them to do, right? And so I, I want us to think that in mind. We're talking about divine devotion for a reason, and we're talking about finishing our course. And we're equipped here for a reason. We have these uh, gifted and callings. God told us the first few hundred people are core leaders for thousands, right? So different from a lot of other places, uh, we haven't reserved special leadership teaching for just this, this, these two, three of people over here. Like it's been on full blast. Some people just haven't been paying attention. Like some stuff I got behind the scenes. You've got out and open. You know, that was, you don't even realize it. You know, some people do, but you don't even realize it. But it's for a reason. So I want you to hear this song. Um, it's got a little upbeat to it. But uh, it's saying something and God communicating something. Uh, go. If you, you can just play that one. Just everybody, just, just try to meditate and lock in. Turn it up.
right, so so the the he's saying if you only knew the things that I prepared for you, you'd have given me your heart long ago. You know, he says, I've been calling out your name, but you just kept telling me no. You know, you know, he opens up with saying, Go and no, I send you. Know that you've been chosen and I need you. Like, like God has been so much prepared for us, he's been just asking for our hearts. But we say no when we're not obedient. We say no when we take things in our own hands. We say no when we yield to manipulation and our own lust. We say no when there's something in the world that we like. Say that's more important than what God has prepared. We're saying no each time we do that. Right? We're saying no when we get caught up in keeping them. We're saying no when we try to save face. Right? We're saying no. All right, so so we, we the goal is to stay the course, right? Stay the course. Let's go to Hebrews eleven twenty seven. We're gonna spend some time with Hebrews. This is the faith chapter, faith chapter, because he said he fought a good fight of faith. So I'm gonna read out of the Amplified Hebrews eleven twenty seven. It says motivated motivated by faith. He left Egypt behind, being unawed and undismayed by the wrath of the king. Well, he never flinched, key word, never flinched, but held staunchly to his purpose and endured steadfastly as one who gazed on him who is invisible. And that's, you know, of course, we know that's uh, Moses. And then if we drop down here to verse 32. says this it says devoted trusting us to finish the race locked into running their leg it says and what shall I say further for time would fail me to tell of Gideon Barak Samson Jephthah and of David and Samuel and the prophet now these are people that just got honorable mention in the book of faith these are some powerful stories David Gideon who fought with 300 and could have took 30,000 Barack Samson, one of the strongest men in the world. David, Samuel, Samuel the prophet. It says, uh, it says, uh, verse 33, who by, I'm reading out of Amplified, the help of faith subdued kingdoms, administered justice, obtained promised blessings, closed the mouth, the mouths of lions, extinguished the power of raging fire, escaped devourings of the sword out of frailty and weakness won strength and became stalwart even mighty and resistless in battle routing alien hosts it says some women received again their dead by a resurrection others were tortured to death with clubs this is what these people went through refusing to accept release offered on the terms of denying their faith so they allowed themselves to be tortured death in clubs because there's like only way I can get out of this is to deny my faith is so that they might be resurrected to a better life 36 others had the suff- had to suffer the trial of mocking and scourging and even chains and imprisonment they were stoned to death they were lured with tempting offers to renounce their faith they were sawn, uh, sawn asunder or, or, or you know with a saw They were slaughtered by the sword. While they were alive, they had to go about wrapped in skins of sheep and goats, utterly destitute, oppressed, and cruelly treated. Men of whom the world was not not worthy, roaming over the desolate places and the mountains, and living in caves and caverns and holes of the earth. All of these, though they won divine approval by means of their faith, did not receive the fulfillment of what was promised. Because God had us in mind and had something better and greater in view for us so that they, these heroes and heroines of faith, should not come to perfection apart from us before we could join. So what he's saying is that they ran their leg of the race. And the reason why they didn't get to see the promises is because 
we're a part of the completion of their race. We have to run our lane. And it talked about, look, look, it talked about people being stoned to death and killed with swords. So during this process, all types of things was going on. Like, like you know, um, that, you know, I guess we see in our time too. But, but, but they, they finished their course. And this is the thing. We talked about distractions earlier as one of the schemes, right? Satan's schemes. They didn't allow themselves to get off course or get distracted. They stayed devoted. No matter what was going on, they stayed devoted. Because, see, once you start a race and you come to the line and you're ready to go, once you're ready to go, the only way you're finishing is not getting distracted as a... Uh, Zamir was saying the other week, you know, you got the ball, you're running the touchdown, and you stop, go to the sidelines, drink some water, take a break, and then think you're going to get back on and run the touchdown. touchdown. You could do that, but it don't count. You have to complete it. And so, so this divine devotion um, is staying locked in to your race, what your purpose to do in God's ultimate plan. And everybody's not designed to do the same thing. Everybody has a different platform to fulfill God's purpose. Everybody has a different platform to fulfill God's purpose. And so you got to watch being pulled in to other people's platform's purpose. Does that noise bother you, sir? Because I could turn these off. Probably wouldn't. Yeah, so... No, that's cool. Uh, excuse me, people, for a second. We just little technical difficulties. People online. Okay. I think that's what it is. All right. So that's what it was. <laughs> All right. So so uh, let's go to Luke twenty-two. Luke twenty-two. Uh, so, so I always use sports. I learned a lot from sports. I could use pledging. I learned a lot from that. Growing up in the hood, I learned a lot from that. But uh, when I first learned how to play basketball, I just thought as long as I could sh- learn how to shoot and dribble, I was good. And then when I was able to, to simulate making baskets, you know, and stuff like that, I just figured I was good. Then I learned something very special, and this is what really helped me, um, even to this day, because I still play. What helped me was, I guess it wasn't that. Uh, what helped me was uh, learning the, the mind game of basketball, playing sports. Like, so, so, uh, this is, <laughs> I don't know if you'll watch this. So, so we had this guy, uh, I admire uh, his Phenomenal basketball player, played at uh, St. Augustine. They won a couple of state, not state, national championships <laughs> in basketball. And so he was a he was a legend. Well, I call him a legend, but he was a phenomenal player in, in our city. And so I finally, you know, you coming up and I finally get the opportunity to play in this league. And so we're both showing up at the game late. That was the cool thing, you know, up late, you know, for the game, and then they put you right in the game. Makes no sense, you know. So we show up, we show up for the game late. We talking, you know, we talking. So I'm, I'm be honest, you know, I'm young, but I'm saying to myself, I'm talking to such and such. I won't say the name, but but I'm talking like he talking to me, you know, like so that means I've arrived. I'm 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 uh I'm one of them now. And so, you know, uh, we get to the game late. We both go to the scorer's table, you know, because it's like everybody's waiting on us. And so we have the scorer's table. It's like, all right, man, you know, you do your thing. We get out there. First play, they give him the ball. They give him the ball. I'm defending him. He backs me down, bows me in my mouth, and scores. And so, so the, the elbow in my mouth didn't hurt as bad as me going, but we were just talking, like, we just had a conversation. Like, we, we cool, right? So he had another friend. We're, we're at half-court we're half playing. He's talking to me. Now, both of these guys, 
but, you know, played a lot together. He's like, hey, man, so how you doing this? That, nothing. I'm talking. I'm like, okay, he's talking to me. Next play he get, he bows me in my mouth. I'm like, I don't understand. We're, we're buddies, right? It was mental. One had nothing to do with the other. And actually, the more I relaxed, the more they took advantage of me. So I had to learn to stay focused. If I got bowed in the mouth, if somebody talked about my mama, if somebody uh, was, was threatening me, I had to learn to not change the course based on the circumstance. And this is what we have to learn. We have a calling and purpose. We can't keep changing courses based on circumstances because somebody broke up with us or because somebody's treated us wrong or somebody doesn't recognize our value. That doesn't change the course of what God has purposed you to do. It doesn't. But for a lot of us, the circumstances determines our motivation. We ain't gonna never do nothing then. Because if you waiting for everything to be favorable, you, you won't accomplish nothing in this life. You gotta press through the uncomfortable, the uncertainty, okay? All right, so let's look here. Because this is why we go through some of the things we go through. Luke 22, verse 31. I'm gonna read it out of King James, then I'm gonna read it out of the Amplified, okay? It says, uh, and, the Lord, and the Lord says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat, break you down to almost nothing, right? He says, but I have prayed for thee that thy, that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brother. It's so much in these two scriptures because he opened up with Satan desires to have you, why does he want you? He wants to break you down, sift you as wheat. You think about wheat, sifting wheat, is, it's, it's solid and they break it down into a grain, right? It's, it's broken down. So he wants to break you down. That, I mean, that small. And, um, and we talked about this earlier. We were talking about how he tries to overwhelm us, right? He tries to break you down. And so, so this is the thing. Then he said this, he says, but I'm praying that your faith fails not. You notice he didn't say, I'm praying that he doesn't sift you as wheat. What he was saying, what he's trying to sift his wheat and break down is your faith. As long as your faith is strong and solid, Satan knows he can't do nothing with you. But if he can break your faith down, because once your faith is broken down, what? You don't believe. You're more open for fear. False evidence appearing real. More open for deception you're more open for manipulation. You're definitely a candidate for compromise, ain't you? Temptation is a lot. See, when I'm faithful, I might be in a situation that hasn't happened yet, but I, I, I can see it as if it's happened. So when I'm offered temptations and bribes and compromise, I'm not that easy to go for that. Why? Because I'm like, are you kidding? This? In exchange for that? Man, please. But if I can't see that anymore, when I get this, I go, well, maybe I should just jump on this right now because it don't look like nothing coming. See, so, so but, but you notice he does, he's not going to tempt you first. He wants to break your faith down first because then the, the temptation is more enticing. Remember, Esau gave up his birthright for, for, for you know, some, some, some biscuits and soup, <laughs> right? All right, so, 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 so uh, I want to read this out of uh, Amplified. It says, Simon, Simon, Peter, listen. Satan has asked excessively that all of you be given up to him. And when he meant by giving up to him, out of the power and keeping of God, that he might sift all of you like grain. But I prayed especially for you, Peter, that your own faith may not fail. And when you yourself have turned again, strengthen and establish your brethren. Now that last part is big because you're not in position to strengthen nobody if you don't finish your course. You see what I'm saying? So when, it's, when stuff around you is crazy, don't let it be distract you to think you can, you can uh, fix it all now. 
let it motivate you to finish your course because that puts you in a position to strengthen your brethren. You see what I'm saying? And your, your brethren strong is a lot better than relieving their moment. Uh, we talked about this with our son. I said, babe, I can't help his situation at the expense of his life. So, so I can relieve this moment at the expense of him having the strength he's going to need for his life. We talked about that earlier and how the, what, the adversary, he's trying to steal, kill, and destroy. And like we have these layers of friends and, and how a lot of times he's using our friends to weaken us because they don't have any power to resist them because we haven't witnessed to them. Same thing. When you're converted, go strengthen your brother. When you get to where you have to go. So this is the thing, the people that are devout or devoted uh, have an unfainting, unflinching, unmovable mindset. An unfainting, unflinching, unmovable mindset. Listen, I, 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 I'm not, listen, I, 50, 57 be 58 in August has gotten me at least some exposure to see something. And I've never seen one great person on a platform that's done it at their convenience. I've not, I've not seen one person go, go, go. I, I, I was, uh, was it Mikhail Barishnikov? That's the name, right? The dancer? Yes, yeah, so I, I, was, I, was, I was like a fan of But that dude was a phenomenal athlete. When I say phenomenal, phenomenal athlete. There's nothing he couldn't do. Not just as a dancer just athletically ridiculous. Bruce Lee, phenomenal athlete. But, but what, what they did transcended what, what you've ever seen. These, these people were doing things like you would think they weren't human, but that's the level of dedication and discipline they had. But it wasn't at their convenience. You can't do stuff that at your convenience. So I watch people who admire greatness, they view greatness, they watch every video of greatness, they quote people that are great, but they don't invest in living that, that devoted life of those that want to be I have people that the desire to be at certain levels of calling and stuff like that. Uh, I remember this guy, you know, basically, how could I put it? So this person wanted to be mentored and they wanted to, how could I, I'm trying to be, not trying to put the person down, but want to be mentored. But let's say if, uh, if I'm not around, they would want to, hey, just call on me. And so I told the person, I said, well, you want to at least be doing this. You know, so I gave him like, the basics of what you see me do, you want to at least be doing that. Because not from the standpoint of doing it just out of ritual, but it has me seeing things a certain way. Like, 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 I, I, like I'll, I'll say this just for conversation, not bothering or nothing, but there's, there's things from the start of the, this morning until now that some people didn't even notice. Didn't even notice. Uh, not because they're evil, they didn't see it. They're not mindful of that. They were passionate in what they were mindful of, but they wasn't, they, could, they couldn't see the whole picture. But, but I, just, I have to be passionate in this word, but I can't just be focused on the word. I got to see everything. Uh, now, she, I noticed she's pretty sharp. She noticed them, <laughs> right? So what I'm saying is that cost another level of, of stripping ourselves. He talked about uh, in, in the 9.15, uh, she says what she discovered in this particular teaching is how much we have to uh, get rid of our get rid of our flesh more. Is that close? Huh? Yeah. But like, but she wasn't saying she wasn't crucifying the flesh. What she said was, I realized how much more. Like in other words, once I've got exposed to what I see now, instead of me being in denial, like, well, I'm already crucifying the flesh. Whoa. There's levels to this. I'm, I'm paraphrasing what you said, but that's kind of, that's close, right? Right. So, so it's like when I learned liberty, because I was bound, like, uh, whatever you say, and whatever you say, 
and whatever you say. And then I start walking to liberty. I'm like, oh, I'm just doing what God says. But then I realized there's levels to it. Like I, every time I stripped off a layer of, of bondage, there was another one. I stripped that off and there was another. I was like, how far down have I been bound? Gee, where, like, am I ever going to be free? Like, that's how it's like. But, but if you, when I started the journey of liberty, I was just like, oh, okay, I just need to, you know, uh, uh, be my own man and think for myself. I taught it years ago, Supernatural Life of Liberty. I broke that thing down, 2 Corinthians 3.17, where the Spirit of the Lord is there's liberty, you know. And uh, uh, there's, there's thousands of people in there. We was hyped up. We was uh, uh, praising the Lord and, and cheering. And, you know, I walked out of there, Lord, I taught you. I taught what you told me to teach. And I, I'm, I'm representing that level of my life. That same week, I saw myself bound. I'm like, what in the world? There, there's another level. And, 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 and it, 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 it was painful. I ripped off that layer painfully. Only to discover there was another level. And that's, that's what she was saying about um, the flesh. But that's what I'm saying about, we're talking about fighting the sea here, how sometimes we're, we're, we believe we're devoted because we're more devoted than we were before. But we're playing off of before, that's the issue. Not playing off of what God requires. Sometimes we're playing off of what other people are doing around us. But, so, 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 so I've, I've shared this a thousand times with a lot, especially athletes. You know, you could be better than them and less than you, right? You know, you run a race. You know, you guys get out here. You run it. Uh, well, I seen you guys running against each other. So you get out there like, you ready? This is Harold. You ready? <laughs> I mean, I don't even know if I want to start right away, but I'll do it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And go on like the win. This kid's fast. Go on like the win. So you realize you can win the race and still be less than as fast as you can be. You can walk around for the rest of that day. You can, you can outrun everybody in your school and walk around like, fastest dude in the school and still not be as fast as you can be because no one pushed you to your limit. But if you plan off of God, do you realize the only thing you're going to settle for is being as fast as you can be, as anointed as you can be? You ain't looking around at nobody else. I want to be all in anointed like, I, like God designed me to be. So, yeah, you might have people to inspire you along the way. You can, you can watch uh, the Copelands. You can watch uh, Colt, Crack, Captain Cormac, whoever, whoever, you know, is, is firing you up at this point in your life. But do you realize you may go, I finally got to that Captain Coleman level. I can hear from the Holy Spirit. And God can still be sitting there in the audience going, so when will I get you? Because he may have called you beyond Catholic. That's not, I said may. He's called you beyond Catholic. You, you understand? So you got to finish your course and run your race, all right? That's a whole lot of example on that point, but I think we get it, right? Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12 and verse 3. You, ever, you know, the parents, are say, uh, parents are good for recognizing this. You ever look at your kids and go, why, they're, why are they letting people distract them? Yeah. Okay. But for our TV audience, I got quite a few amens in here if you didn't hear like, I got the, mm, yeah, mm, yeah, amen, mm, <laughs> like, um, <laughs> and, and so, so, so the interesting thing is, uh, even with the responses, obviously people see that, like, and then it, to you, it's like, it's obvious, right? You're like, can't you see? It's just a distraction or diversion, right? Isn't that what you'd be thinking? Like, and then you, you, you on the front end, you try to try to convince them, but you know, you know, kids at a certain age, you can't tell them nothing, right? All right, so then you're like, you praying, you know, uh, you might be doing spiritual warfare on that prayer, right? You know what I'm saying? You know, you're, hey, 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 
you know, you just get down, right? Um, but you know what's so interesting? A lot of times they're a reflection of us. Look how easily we get distracted out here. And you know, our Father God is sitting there looking like, are we serious right now? Like, like, is that all it took? You was rolling. We was rolling. Hey, you was running the race. You was about to break through. And that's all it took to stop you from getting into a position where you can strengthen your brethren? Are we serious right now? So, and if you want to know how God is processing it, the way you process it when you was looking at your kids. <laughs> he like, and he, guess what? He's tried to tell us through the word. Many a sermon. All right, he tried that. And, but right now, he's probably up there doing spiritual warfare. I I got this. <laughs> like, he's probably up there. He, he's probably up there, him and the angels. Hey, hey, hey. He's probably breaking it down. Right? Just to get you guys, like, <laughs> he, well, he probably ain't had to do all that. I just being exaggerated. Um, right? Just to get focused. Right? Locked in. Right? All right, so, so, so this is Jesus. So it, it's telling us as we want to stay divinely devoted, it says, for consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against themselves. Right? Lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. So he's saying, what it's saying there is Jesus is our measure. He was divinely devoted, right? He says he endured such a contradiction of lifestyles that were totally opposite of how we're supposed to live. And to a point where they started to pressure him. Like, like it wasn't like they were like, all right, Jesus, man, I, I, I respect your perspective. I'm, you know, seems a little over the top, but hey, I understand. I see where you're coming from. Um, you know, I, honestly, I haven't been taught that. And it's just it's hard for me to believe that that could happen. No, that's not how they came at Jesus. Not only did they try to run him out of town, we already know they persecuted him, beat him senseless, and crucified him. How did this process start? It didn't start with the Roman soldiers. Didn't start with them. Remember, Pilate tried to release him. And he asked his people, hey, we got a thief, Jesus. This is the week, this, the, this, the, this the week we release folk. He's trying to get out of it. He was like, they was like, oh, no, no, dude, give us the thief. So look, imagine you, Jesus. I'll be talking about how y'all get denied and stuff like that. You, Jesus, next thing up is, is, is crucifixion, not, you know, you still got to be in this position longer than you wanted to. Crucifixion's next up. And then you got some people that have to speak for, you know, at the job, you want people to speak for your promotion. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, they know you're doing a good job. You're like, so y'all going to look out for me or what? And then that day they go, oh, no, 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 no. Uh, we want Jimmy. Jimmy only been at the job for two weeks, right? Jesus wasn't going through that. He's about to be crucified. And they took a thief. Imagine, are we, are we serious right now? Now, I know I got to fulfill God's plan, but, like, we could have done it another way. Like, you, you're going to take a, a, a crooked, nasty thief. It wasn't like a, a normal thief. You know, it wasn't like, dude needed some biscuits and he stole the biscuits. No. This was like, this guy had a rap. So he knew he wasn't going to take him. Jesus went through that. Right? He endured such a, it says, such contradiction of sinners against himself. It says, look, it says, look at what Jesus went through and how he stayed divinely devoted. Look, it says, lest we be weary, worn out, or sifted as we, look, and faint in our minds. The word faith means to give up. Because that's where it starts. You start, you give up here. You give up here. Now, let me ask you this. Because how many people have, have, have quit before something? Okay. Uh, so how many people have not quit but thought about it? You know, a lot. Okay. 
So when you quit or when you think about quitting, what benefit is it? I mean, because you, you got adults in here now, so you, a couple of kids, kids probably won't know what the benefit. Well, and most of the time, what you quit, you got to restart. <laughs> but you was that further ahead. So that moment of relief is not worth now playing double the price to even get back to where you were. Right? So he says, don't, don't faint in your mind. Uh, don't be pulled into fainting in your mind. Like, stay the course. Uh, I just want to give you this. Deuteronomy 20, 3 through 8. Deuteronomy 20, 3 through 8. It reads this, King James Version. It says, And shall say unto them, Hear, O Israel, ye approach this day unto battle against your enemy. It says, Let not your hearts faint or give up. Now, this is, they, they're about to go into a battle. It says, Let not your hearts faint. It says, Fear not, do not tremble, neither be ye terrified because of them. For the Lord your God is he that goeth with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. And then he said this, an officer shall speak unto the people saying, what man is there that has built a new house and has not dedicated it? Let him go and return to his house, lest he die in the battle. And another man dedicated. He says, and what man, he, uh, what man is he that planted a vineyard and has not yet eaten of it? Let him go and return unto his house, lest he die in battle and another man eat of it. And what man is there that has betrothed or married a wife and has not taken her or consummated the marriage? It says, let him go and return to his house, lest he die in battle, and another man take her. <laughs> it says, and the officer shall speak further unto the people, and they shall say this, what man is there that is fearful and faint-hearted? Let him go and return to his house, lest his heart faint lest his brethren's heart faint as well as his heart. So, so picture this now. We're going into battle and we have to be locked in. And so when they started to talk to everybody, they started to weed out who was divinely devoted and who wasn't, right? They weeded out who was divinely devoted and who wasn't. And so what they said was, anybody that's going to be focused on anything but our goal, y'all going back home. Because your house, your wife, your vineyard, all these things are going to be on your mind and you're not going to be locked in and you're going you're gonna to be tempted to quit because you're playing off of these things. So that was his first list. And then his second list, he says, okay, if any, any of y'all have any level of reservation and fear in your heart, y'all going back home. Because if you show up with fear in the conversation of battle, you're only going to be amplifying, man, you know, I heard they got 50,000 soldiers. You know, we ain't got that many. Man, I heard they skillful, too. Then, man, why are we going this way? Man, we go that way. Man, I heard that's the worst valley. We go down there. See, that person ain't going to be locked in. So what he said was, you going back home. Because the only reason you're focusing on the circumstances is because you're afraid God is not enough. We only need people that's, that's focused on God, that believe God regardless of the circumstance. We talked about earlier what? Not playing off of Satan, right? Playing off of God. Well, in every situation is that way. You don't play off of circumstances. You play off of circumstances, you're playing off of Satan. You focused on God. You trust God. So I was sharing this. Uh, uh, I believe this is a conversation me and Ms. Ms. Lamar was having. I think. I could be wrong. I had so many conversations. But... Uh, Oh, I shared a piece of it with him and another, uh, another person that I talked to weekly. Uh, we were talking, and I was saying how, if you think about, we're talking about David. So if you think about David, David was, became one of the greatest kings. Read through David's history. And, and uh, Trina, you know, you've been reading through Samuel and all that. You ain't never seen David talk about being a king. He wasn't like, man, I can't wait till I be a king. Yo, 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 Mel. 
When I become king, what? Man, shoot. Yeah, yeah, I'm trying, trying to get this job, man, you know, working up at the castle, you know what I'm saying, so I can, you know, eventually they're going to spot me, you know, and be king, this, that, and other. Now, one time David talked about being a king. David wasn't even in school to be a king. That's the military academy. He wasn't even in school to be a king. Matter of fact, David was in the least likely place to be discovered to be a king. When they even, okay, so, so you're in the least likely place, but then a prophet comes to the house looking for a king, and you still ain't there. See, there's no, he didn't manipulate, he didn't orchestrate, he didn't, he didn't, you know, I, I just happen to be in the area, you know, I, I, I don't know, you just got to need a king? None of that. But who was chosen to be a king? So read through Joseph. Joseph didn't talk about, yeah, I'm, eventually I'm about to go to that, 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 that prosperous place, you know. You now people just go to Paris, California, whatever. Yeah, I'm about to go, man. I'm about to, about to go to Egypt, man. Yeah, eventually, you know, be prime minister. Watch. I know people like us normally are not selected to be prime minister because we Hebrews, but yeah, I'm about, I'm about to bust this thing wide open. Nope. First of all, he was in the least likely place to be a prime minister. First in, in a pit. They weren't hiring for a prime minister in the pit. That was on his resume. Then he was, look, look, look. He was uh, considered a sex offender, right? Because he was locked up for rape. So that was on his resume. So he wasn't going to get no job as a prime minister based on being locked up in jail. Before that, he was a slave. So nothing on his resume said, you're going to be a prime minister. He never talked about it, didn't orchestrate it, didn't manipulate for it, didn't gather together a bunch of yes people to make sure he got it. And he was the one chosen. See, that's what I'm saying. You know what he did? He focused on God. Matter of fact, me and you had the conversations because uh, uh, we're reading this book. Uh, well, I've read the book before, but I thought we could walk through it. Uh, Following God's Plan for Your Life by Kenneth Hagin. Right? And uh, this is a great book. And so one of the things Mr. Marsh said he, he got out of the book, uh, if you don't mind me sharing, you know, uh, he said uh, that um, Kenneth Hagin's focus was on God, not what he wanted to do, not what he wanted to be. His focus was on God. And, and Kenneth Hagin's impact is all over the world. There's been ministries planted all over the world as a result of their college and as a result of his impact. But guess what? That dude was focused on God. He was divinely devoted. So as far as we, you know, we, 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 we spend a lot of time talking about uh, doing things to, to, to facilitate change. He, he's done something to facilitate change. He's converted a whole lot of brethren. Who's going to convert a whole lot of brethren? Who's converting a whole lot of brethren? That's going to change people's minds and, and their actions back to morality. You see what I'm saying? But, and, but his focus was, he was, look, he's finishing his course. He wasn't, he wasn't distracted, diverted. And this dude went through almost like a 50-something year process of nobody knowing about him. Nobody even knew who he was. Then he goes through a 30-year process of where he's in demand all over the world, right? So you see, divinely devoted, not locked in. So uh, Ephesians 3, 13, for the sake of time, I'm just going to read it. It says, wherefore I desire that ye faint not or don't give up at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. Don't give up at my tribulations so, so what, what he's saying is we're going to go through tests and trials and tribulations. We're going to go through them. He says, but don't give up when you go through the tribulation. 2 Corinthians 4, 16. 2 Corinthians 4, 16. No, I'm going I'm to pick it up just a little bit for the sake of time. Even though I know I have to give myself a few minutes cushion for the song I play. All right. So 2 Corinthians 4, 16 to 18. It says, for which cause we faint not or we don't give up. But though our outward man perish, yet our inward man is renewed day by day. Look, 
for our light affliction, it calls affliction light, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding weight of glory. While we look not on the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal. That means the light affliction and the circumstances now are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So the uncertainty that we look in, because we're looking for relief, we can't see it, but it's there, it's waiting for us, and it's going to have a more everlasting impact. So this, this is saying for your light affliction is but for a moment in time. And it's amazing how we fight or we yield to uh, uh, momentary relief at the expense of future impact. You know, like we, we you know, even when people uh, get ze- have zeal for change, they'll change a moment, but don't realize they're not changing an overall mindset. Because that takes a lot more time. And most people don't have the patience. They want microwave. So they want to do stuff that's hyped up now. But, but it costs time. It costs uh, sacrifice. You're going to have to get through some light affliction moments to really affect uh, uh, this world like God wants us to. So, 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 so I, I want us to ask ourselves which I talked about last week, you know, are we really devout or totally committed to what God has purposed? You know, uh, uh, Bishop Boone, I was listening to him talk about devotion a few weeks ago, Wellington Boone, and um, he said we may be verse gifted, hardworking, but are we devout? But are we devout? Are we really devoted? And so I, when I think of devotion, I think, are we creating that, an environment where people see God is real? So in the things that you do. So because people don't think, don't just believe God is real because everything's going good in your life. They see God is real when they see you break through every hurdle thrown at you. And they see how God brought you through this impossible situation, this insurmountable situation whether it's uh, sickness, disease, healing, or uh, debt, distress, or discontentment, when they see how you handle, I've watched people as a, 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 you know, a young Christian, especially when I worked in corrections, boy, they'd be watching me like a hawk. And when stuff would go crazy, they was watching me more. They watched me more when things went crazy than when things was going well. Because their thought was, okay, see what Mr. Christian going to do when things ain't going this way. He all smiling when things are going his way. Let's see how Mr. Christian, but you ever notice sometimes soon as some, there's a little bit of adversity, the person that say they're Christian, they, they worry first. And so the person watching is like, so I can do that. You know, the person you, you, you're, you're witnessing to, they're going, well, I can worry. So what do you got Jesus for? You might as well hang out with me. Why, why, why are you going to church and in the Bible and stuff like that if you're just going to respond the way I would? <laughs> I mean, you, you don't even have to put in all that effort. You can sleep in because you're responding just like me. You see what I'm saying? Like, so we're, 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 we're supposed to be uh, at a whole nother level of God where people can see God through our situations. I watch people. People, people watch and watch and... and I just want to see how he was going to handle that. Like when uh, Jerry Savelle was watching Kenneth Copeland and his daughter's fingers got cut off. And, and now I would have reacted. I would have ran to my daughter. He didn't run to his daughter. He looked at the man of God. He said, I want to see what the man of God is going to do. There's blood gushing out of his daughter's hands. Somebody rolled over the fingers. And Kenneth Copeland just calmly walked down, prayed over the, the young lady's hands and the blood stopped. And he says, well, you know, you're going to have to take her to the doctor, you know. You know, she ain't, she ain't missing the tips of her fingers. You know, and they, they found them, but they couldn't sew them back on. But they believed God, and that girl's tips grew back. Documented miracle. So what do you think Jerry Savelle did? He believed God. It was a combination of Kenneth Hope Copeland praying in that moment and Kenneth Hagen praying when they went to visit him. So they showed him God is real. He has a worldwide ministry. It was fixing cars. 
Matter of fact, didn't even believe nothing about faith. But when he saw God was real, he's impacting the world. So, so people need to see us, see God's real through us. So many are called or I'll say liked, but few are chosen. Few people that are devout are really devoted to the things of God. So devotion is giving yourself away unconditionally. Giving yourself away unconditionally, not looking, you know, what's in it for me. So we stop to, to check the conditions that will dilute our devotion. If we stop to check the conditions, It'll dilute our devotion. If we stop to check the conditions, it dilutes our devotion. Because if I'm devoted, conditions don't matter. But if I stop to go, okay, how's this going? Is this favorable for me? Well, I'm not being devoted at that time. I can't be devoted and check the conditions at the same time. If we monitor whether or not we're appreciated, it will arrest our devotion. If we stop to go, am I being appreciated for this? See, devotion... Jesus didn't stop to see if we was going to appreciate him. Devotion is devotion. I'll let God take care of the reward. I'm just going to be devoted. See, devotion invites being taken for granted. People that are devoted can be taken, uh, taken for granted. You know why? Because when a person's really devoted, they're not always present to recognize um, their conduits or they're the catalyst. A person that's devoted, they don't even, the reason why they could be taken for granted because they don't even know that they're the catalyst or the conduit that God's using. They're not present. They're in God's presence. So they find out what they've done after they've done it. You know, for lack of better words, they're not smelling themselves through the whole process, right? So devotion lives in humility. Devotion lives in humility, not visit. Devotion lives in humility. Devotion recognizes the details overlooked or dismissed by others. Devotion recognizes the details overlooked or dismissed by others. The undevoted are a little different. The undevoted blind their eyes to the highest level of impact to excuse their accountability and responsibility to that standard of living. So the undevoted blind their eyes to the highest level of impact. So when they, so if Benicia is devoting herself at a whole nother level, the undevoted is going to pretend they don't see it because they don't want to be accountable, accountable and responsible to that standard of living. The devoted is looking for that standard of living to, to challenge themselves to go to another level. You got to realize devotion is all about resilience. Devotion is all about resilience. Enduring the seemingly impossible until you push into the possible. That's, you know, we've talked about that before. Re devotion is all about resilience. Enduring the seemingly impossible until you push into the possible realm. Scripture says all things are possible to them that believe in Mark 9.20. All things are possible to them that believe. We could say all things are possible to them that are devoted. Right? All of them are, all things are possible to them that are devoted. So, you know, um, Amelia said something she was teaching. She says, seeing it before you see it. Right? So it's being grounded in what you're looking for. If I'm devoted, I'm grounded in what I'm looking for. So I see it before I see. Right? I see it before I see. And... We'll get into more of that next week. I don't want to spend a whole lot of time with this. I just want to challenge us to uh, press to some different levels of devotion. I have another song there, right? Uh, so uh, I, I just want to take a minute to listen to this song, think about some of the things that we've talked about, and just um, because I, I do recognize this, devotion is not easy. Vote for what we want is worth it. Devotion is not easy, but for what we want is worth it. And, and, I, and I will also challenge you to, to remove yourself from complaining about anything if you haven't given your everything. So remove yourself from complaining about anything if you haven't given your everything. 